0: hey everybody this is bill woodcock today is tuesday june 22nd and you are watching or listening to another edition of forward maryland i'm going to tell you uh this podcast is going to have a little bit of an edge to it and i'm going to tell you why because this is the second time i've done it tonight so the first time i went all through this podcast 30 minutes of it and guess what happened uh i went to get the recording and the sound went out so no sound uh no podcast except for those of you who are very good lip readers uh you can make out what i am saying uh but that's has now pissed me off so now uh this podcast is gonna have a little bit of an attitude on it because i'm annoyed uh but that also might just might make it better so here we go so today's podcast for the second time have i mentioned um is a uh, kind of derivative of uh, those old 53 blog posts called some things i think where we look at uh, topics from local to the global and uh, i share my thoughts on them and what do i think so let's get right into it shall we and let's start with things going on on an international level things you don't hear in u.s media because they're too busy um you know providing Uh, infotainment. So uh, the Taliban, remember them, they were kind of, they were kind of a thing a while back. Uh, They are getting ready to take over Afghanistan as soon as the U.S. forces leave in September 11th, or after September 11th. I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, I don't really think uh, 12th century Islamic law or Islamic rule has a place in today's modern world, but hey, Looks like a lot of other people uh, are very cool with it, so why not? So uh, this sucks, and I don't like this uh, development at all. Um, you know, after uh, you know, for in a good good country, good people in the nation of Afghanistan, and so I hope that things work out there differently. Also, in Ethiopia, there is a uh, a uh, uh, a rebel group, and I believe it's called the Tinyar Province. In northeast, northwestern, I should say, Ethiopia, who are fighting. They're separatists, and they're fighting the Ethiopian government forces, who are aided by Eturian forces, their neighbors. And uh, given, given that they are a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a Red Sea nation, uh, Ethiopia is on the mouth of the uh, Suez Canal, and My goodness, remember all the nonsense that happened not that long ago when that tanker got wedged in the canal. Um, You know We have to take an eye, keep an eye on that and look at what's going on in in that. They won't call it a civil war, but it's definitely a brush fire that's going on there in the fine nation of Ethiopia. Um, That's what's going on in the world. Oh, also another thing is, is that for those of you out there who believe in cryptocurrency, uh you know i happen to believe that cryptocurrency is the new beanie baby i am getting closer to being proven right because uh china just keeps mucking with cryptocurrency in its public statements and cryptocurrency keeps dropping like a stone so between the chinese government the u.s government and um you know elon musk uh slapping the diss on bitcoin and all its brethren coin um, you know, you might, by the end of this year, um, you know, your, your, uh, crypto holdings may, uh, be about worth the same amount of, of its, uh, may be worth its price in sand. So, uh, be careful what you invest in. Um, that said, I have a couple hundred dollars in cryptocurrency. It's not a lot of money. Uh, you know, I consider it like betting in a casino, only bet what you can lose. So pardon me for a second. Ooh, I am rotating. Uh, but first. A little bit of a break while I enjoy a tasty beverage off camera. Don't want to, don't want to advertise. Don't you know? So now we will go to U.S. issues. Uh, New York City mayor's races today. If I were voting, I would vote for Catherine Garcia. I like her platform. I like um, her experience. Today, is, I believe the largest experiment in the United States in what's called ranked choice voting. So uh, it will be interesting to see how that turns out. It will be interesting to see if there's satisfaction with the result. Uh, I understand that New York City is very slow to get um, results in. I don't understand why that happens, but uh, it does. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'll be quite interested. Uh, speaking of voting and elections, uh, mere hours ago, the Republican Party slammed the uh, voter reform bill in Congress. Not really slammed it. I mean, they all voted against it. We needed 60 votes. Our Democrats needed 60 votes to pass it because the filibuster is still in effect. You know, I'm not really sure what I feel about the filibuster going away. I understand it would create a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of changes and maybe a lot of progressive things that could happen. But once you take it away, you really can't put it back on. And when Democrats did this sort of thing with the, uh, you know, for example, um, you know, using a simple majority to uh, approve justice, um, you know, judge appointments, judicial appointments, you know, Republicans use that to much greater effect. And, you know, now we, we had what happened with Merrick Garland. Um, you know, in the Supreme Court. And we've had McConnell come out in the last week talking about that he doesn't think that if, uh, you know, Biden is running in 2024, or just simply that 2024 is an election year. And so there will be no Supreme Court debate on a nominee in 2024. So, you know, we should be careful as Democrats, what we wish for, because we might get it and it seems that whenever we uh come up with these ways to outsmart the republicans and bring just causes to the forefront republicans um laugh uh wipe our noses in it turn us upside down and shake out our lunch money um so so uh you know we should be a little bit more strategic now what that solution is to not breaking the filibuster no idea um but but uh I don't think we should look at it as a simply binary choice of having the filibuster or not Uh, because the same applies to infrastructure reform, it looks like there's a little bit of an agreement there 1.2 1.2 billion dollar trillion dollar package passed by this bipartisan group of 20 senators. Um, You know whether it goes somewhere, we shall see. Um, You know, but at least it has you know a, a chance of being bipartisan. Uh, Now, what was incredibly bipartisan was the legislation to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. Um, That, I think, literally happened in about a week, uh, considering as I am of the age where I remember the years of debate and discussion about whether Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday should be a federal holiday and whether people should get the day off. Um, You know, I'm amazed at the At the speed in which Juneteenth became a holiday. Um, For those of you who got the day off, as I did, it was quite a sudden and uh, uh, very welcome day off. I hope it was a meaningful day. I hope it took some time to uh, commemorate the day and understand why the day is. I know I did. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I'm very happy to see this day uh, join the pantheon of federal holidays. Uh, There are probably some more that should join as well. And I'm not just saying that because I like days off. Um, June is also pride month. And so mad props go to uh, Penn State. uh, And uh, I I watched him play for Penn State for four years, um, but current Las Vegas Raider, Carl Nassib, on coming out uh, yesterday. Uh, what a courageous thing to do, what a cool thing to do during Pride Month, and what better team for him to uh, be on than the Las Vegas Raiders, well, you know, known as those, uh, that team that that marches to a different drummer in the NFL, and they just kind of do what they want, uh, so, you know, it showed guts, uh, it showed, uh, you know, it showed conviction, uh, it showed grit for him to come out and uh, more power to you, Carl. I, I hope you're not alone out there, uh, not just in the NFL, but I, I have a feeling that in pretty much all the major sports, um, you know, there are some folks who are not living to their truth, uh, at least on the male side. On uh, the female side, the uh, WNBA, the LPGA, they they don't quite seem to be as, uh, as uh, you know, women's soccer, don't quite seem to be as what's the term backed up as the men do and i wonder why that is um it's kind of bizarre anyway we go from the federal and national to the state so there's a blog out there uh, run by a friend of mine named brian griffiths Uh, it's called the duck pin and brian does a monthly gubernatorial top 10 so, um, Brian's a conservative. He was the uh, force behind Red Maryland. And, um, you know, I noticed there's no gubernatorial ranking from anybody on a more left of center nature. So, I shall present now the premier edition of the Forward Maryland gubernatorial top 10, June 2022 edition. And this will be updated on about a monthly basis. Uh, but first, a beverage break because we don't advertise. yummy. Anyway, we have three Republicans and seven Democrats in this top 10. So don't say we're not bipartisan. Number 10 is Robin Ficker from Montgomery County, the perennial candidate for pretty much everything. And, you know, why is he number 10? I'm giving him props for being out there two years ago, putting up his signs, Ficker 2022, get your two cents worth, two cents off your sales tax. Uh, Yee-haw. Uh, Robin, you might not be there in July. So, you know, keep up doing what you're doing. Number nine would be a former, I believe he was a Clinton uh, administration official named John Barron, who's a Democrat. uh, Had some very interesting policy positions such as creating a statewide tutoring program for any student that needs it um you know i you know they seem seems to be seems to have some innovation there um you know um a little bit of an obscure candidate right now but uh like his tone and tenor uh like his policy so far and so we'll see if he can hold on to that number nine ranking number eight is former obama administration education secretary john king um who um you know, what better candidate to what better state to run in as an educational candidate than the state of Maryland? Uh, whether or not he can uh, uh, divest himself, or I should say diversify his uh, policy platform, has yet to be seen, but I have, I have high hopes that he can do that. So, uh, John King comes in at number eight number seven uh would be wes moore the uh who very recently threw his hat into the ring um wes you know he he seems i'm i'm putting him at the uh almost at the top of that's of that second what i'm calling the second tier of democratic candidates he's an unknown he's never run before Uh, I think he probably stands the most, uh, the best chance of holding his own with the more experienced candidates, the ones who were in the top five of my rankings. Um, But, um, but, you know, uh, again, I want to see more. He seems to be very much a progressives darling right now. Um, Don't know whether or not that's going to hold, but we will see more from Westmore as the months go on. And number six, heading the second five, would be Former Montgomery County Council member, former Obama Labor Secretary, and former DNC Chair Tom Perez, who was going to run for David Trone's uh, seat in Congress, had Trone decided to run not to run for re-election. Um, he has not yet announced that he's not running. That uh, Perez, that is, has not yet announced that he's running for governor, but. Uh, he's expected to make that decision soon and from what i understand he's planning on running so uh tom perez is in there at number six number five would be another unannounced candidate michael Steele, uh a republican of course uh former lieutenant governor former rnc chair former candidate for u.s senate uh if michael Steele runs i think it, it it shows a desire by Maryland Republicans to have um, kind of a, uh, you know, a a turf war, Um, you know, a battle between the traditional Republicans and the Trump Republicans. Uh, Unfortunately, I believe right now that that is a battle that the traditional Republicans would lose. So I'm not sure that Steele was gonna pick this race um, a while back, I thought he was for sure in, now I think he's for sure out. Um, but if he were to get in, he would be the second highest ranking Republican candidate that I could think of. And, and he would have more than a puncher's chance of winning that primary. So I don't know, I would roll that dice. I don't know Republicans in particular or Maryland politicians in general to be that risk-taking. So uh, we'll see what happens. Number four would be uh, former Maryland attorney general and, and uh, Montgomery County state's attorney, Doug Gansler. Uh, yes, we know that Doug had a ridiculous end to his 2014 uh, candidacy, but he's uh, been in the outside world for eight years. Um, he had a very nice uh, opening to his campaign and he just put the legalization of recreational marijuana use in Maryland Uh, high up on the list of issues for the 2022 campaign as he came out with a policy um, platform uh, supporting that. So uh, we'll see if he gains more traction than he did in 2014. But um, I think, uh, you know, he's been there before. He served the state well for eight years as attorney general. I I think, uh, you know, he has a shot. Uh, number three is Rush Baker, the former Prince George's County executive and who I thought would have been the beneficiary of democratic votes such as mine because I was gonna be a Kamenetz voter and I voted for Baker after uh, you know Kamenetz's untimely passing. Uh, but it seems like a lot of that uh, support went to Ben Jealous. So um, we'll see what Baker can do. Uh, we'll see if he can... Uh, We'll see if he can, uh, you know, improve upon his race, put a better team behind him, and, uh, you know, work towards becoming Maryland's first uh, governor of color. Uh, Incidentally, five of the people in this ranking are, are people of color, either African American or in the case of Tom Perez Hispanic, which I think is impressive. Only one woman, though, which I think is pathetic and she happens to come in at number two and she happens to be very well qualified. Her name is Kelly Schultz and she is the current secretary of the Department of Commerce, former Department of Labor head secretary under Larry Hogan. Uh, Now, first off, I think if Hogan has coattails, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be, I think ultimately he's gonna come out and he's gonna push Kelly Schultz to be his successor hard. Um, She served as head of two of the top three um executive departments in the state Um, she obviously has a lot of experience more so in in the executive branch of government than really any of Maryland government than really any candidate for uh statewide office who I could think of in the time I've been following politics which is over 30 years um but you know she uh she's uh she has a conservative record she's from Frederick uh, which is a very purple area. And it will be interesting to see how she can square herself in a state that is very uh, pro labor. Um, you know, what her ideas are for reforming state government uh, with the reality that um, Maryland is very much a state where uh, the opinion of organized labor matters. So, uh, right now, uh, she's introducing herself, she's getting herself known. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens uh, when the rubber hits the road with Kelly Schultz. Number one is, and I admit this is the person who I'm supporting for governor personally at this point is Maryland Comptroller, Peter Franchot. Franchot is poising himself as I believe the Joe Biden of this race experienced uh, between his years in the legislature and now 16 years as the uh, Maryland Comptroller succeeding political giants in the state of Maryland and and Louis Goldstein and William Donald Schaefer. Um, You know, he knows every corner of this state. He knows what the job is of the controller. He sat on the board of public works for 16 years with uh, governors of both parties. Um, You know, he's the most experienced candidate in the race Um, I think he'll be 73 by the time of the election, so he certainly won't be the youngest candidate in the race, um, but I don't see that as a detriment to him. So um, until someone proves me otherwise, you know, Peter Franchot is the leader, and I do expect that he would have Democratic support in areas where Democrats would need to win in order to win the governor's uh, mansion back in places like Baltimore County, in places like Anne Arundel County, Howard County. Um, so, you know, again, from top to bottom, Francho, Schultz, Baker, cancellor Steele, Perez, Moore, King, Baron, Ficker. There you go. Uh, wrapping up quickly as I'm losing light and oh my God, don't I wish that the, uh, sound comes through on this damn podcast the second time. Uh, but some issues, um, near and dear to Howard County it has been a joy uh the past few weeks um being part of the reopening and the reawakening of howard county as howard county and the whole country uh awakens from the pandemic being able to sit in a full capacity restaurant and not worry uh being able to go outside and do what you want going to the grocery store without wearing a mask however i will advise to my friends and neighbors Please wear it. Please bring a mask with you wherever you go. There are still people who need you to be masked. Um, They may have, uh, you know, immune immune issues. They may uh, have other illness issues that put them in a high risk category. And so you should still be masked around them. So it's just a nice thing to do. So please wear one. Uh, Howard County uh, has announced that it's July 4th fireworks are going on full blast so everybody should get down to the fireworks this year, if you can. Uh, the school year ended. As and I believe that the uh, state uh, sports championships have are either have just concluded or are about to conclude, by the way, congratulations again to the Oakland Mills outdoor track team on their state three a championship go Scorps. And, um, you know, it looks like the fall will be full speed ahead with uh, full school, full classes and also um, and also, um, you know, moderate uh, social distancing or, you know, it looks like there'll be a hybrid option. I think we have not yet written the full story as to what form school will take in Howard County, but it's going to happen over the next couple of months, I guarantee it. And a last, it looks like there are going to be some contested primaries in the first and fourth council district. Uh, chair of the um, Howard County, uh, uh, I think, it's Board of Appeals, Naveen Curtham, has announced that she's going to run for Council District One on the Democratic side. So that would put her against Liz Walsh, who is yet to uh, announce her intentions, I believe, but. sure she's expected to run for re-election and uh, i won't name a name because i mean i do know the name but uh, i don't want to speak for somebody who's not yet formally announced but i do understand that there's a gentleman who is fairly prominent in county administration uh, who is going to be entering the democratic primary in district four against the incumbent council member deb young so hopefully we will have all of these candidates and more on future editions of this podcast so that brings me to the end i'll be interested to see how this version uh this very long take two uh compares with my extremely long take one Uh, i am going to finish here in my undisclosed location in columbia maryland enjoy the rest of my beverage hope that this processes and that i get the sound and if not i am just going to wallow in despair uh, because this sucks uh, anyway, but I have enjoyed doing this. And thank you. I believe we'll do this again over the weekend. So uh, again, my name is Bill Woodcock. You have been watching or listening to Forward Maryland. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Take care.